Thank you so much, Life Church, for being also a welcoming church and uh, greeting somebody, somebody and, uh, and so effectively today. So thank you uh, very much for that. Uh, it is a privilege this morning for me not to speak uh, because we have somebody who I uh, deeply admire as one of our staff members. And uh, she has recently uh, taken a step in credentialing with the Assemblies of God. And so now she is officially credentialed with the Assemblies of God. And you guys know her. Uh, and she's been a part of this church for a very, very long time. But for the first time, to speak to you on a Sunday morning, would you please welcome Miss Natasha Hansen? Well, good morning. It is so good to see your beautiful eyes. And some pretty cool masks, too. Um, well, I just want to thank Pastor Rich for allowing me to speak this morning. Um, if you don't know me, I head up our Life Community Center um, here at the church. And it has been such a joy and such an honor and a privilege to lead that. I have gotten to know so many of you on such a deeper level because we've been able to serve our community side by side. And what a blessing it has been. So um, thank you for letting me <laughs> share my heart this morning and something that God has really challenged me with um, throughout my life, but also the reason why we do what we do here um, at Life Church and specifically through the community center. Um, again, if you don't know me, I'm Natasha. I have two beautiful children who are probably sleeping right now. They're with Grandma and Grandpa, um, Adeline and James. And then I'm married to the fabulous drummer. He's sitting over here, Michael Hansen. Um, and we've been a long time part of this church. I started attending here when I was 16 years old. And I actually sat right where Dave and Terry are. And I remember that first Sunday and just knowing that God had called not only my family to a greater purpose, but that he had called me to something very specific. And I remember sitting down in the middle of the worship service just bawling and crying because I knew that God had a plan for me and that he had a plan for me here. Never did I imagine would that be preaching on a Sunday morning. I'm just going to be honest, okay? But here we are, and I'm so thankful. Um, just a highlight to what happened this last Wednesday if you are serving this Wednesday, can you just raise your hand? We had 40 volunteers there, and I just want to say thank you. You all did such an amazing job. In two hours' time, we fed 250 families, okay? That ended up being 1,294 meals. We went way over than what we thought we were going to be able to do, and obviously it's because of the opportunity that God gave us, but it's also because of what you did. And so thank you. Thank you so much for just loving, um, loving our people in our community and knowing that what you did made a difference in their life. Well, let's just pray real quick, and we're just going to dive into the word. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God. You are a God who who speaks to us, Lord, and a God who wants to know us intimately. And so, Lord, this morning, we just offer our hearts and our minds to you. Lord, I pray that the words that are spoken would be words directly from your heart, God, and that you would be lifted up this morning, God, and that your heart for us and for others, Lord, would be made known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, if there's one thing in life that I've learned in my short 18 years, okay. do you believe it? Okay, maybe not. All right. 
<laughs> but there's one thing that I learned is that communication can be hard, right? It can be really difficult. Hopefully, whatever I speak today, you understand, okay? Hopefully, I communicate that well. It can be really hard, especially if you're married, okay? If you're a parent or if you're breathing at all, okay? You've probably had a situation, maybe even on your way to church, where you've tried to communicate something and you're either completely ignored or is just not understood, okay? So when I graduated from college, um, you know, I naturally wanted to move into a position that would help me and, and grow in what I was studying and what I was learning. And so I left a job that I really loved and I really cared about it. And so I put together this manual of instructions. It was step-by-step step of how to do my job because I really wanted to make sure the person who took after me knew how to do the job and to do it well, okay? And I even had a few days to train this person. Well, I leave the job, I start my new one. What happens? The person who took my job did not understand, okay? For weeks, I got a phone call almost every single day of her calling and saying, I don't know what to do. How do you do this? I messed this up. My first question to her always was, did you read the manual? Her first answer, no. Always. I was so frustrated. I was like, come on, if you just read my manual, you'll know what to do. But she never read it. And then even sometimes when she read it, she'd totally ignore it and make up her own way of doing it, and then it'd be a mess. But see, sometimes in life, we do that same kind of thing in our relationship with God. And this morning, we're going to focus on a portion of Scripture in Romans that Paul is hes talking to the Jewish people and to the Gentile, and he's talking to the Jews, and he's saying, you did this exact same thing. He said, you took God's instructions about how to live with him in right relationship, and you totally ignored them, you misinterpreted them, and you made them your own. And by doing that, you totally missed the point of why God even came to save you and why he gave you his law, his word. And see, we do that all the time, right? We take things, we misinterpret it, we ignore it, we make it what we want it to say. But in Romans 9, 30 through 32, this is what Paul says to them. He says, what does this all mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. And they stumbled over the great rock in their path. See, here Paul's, again, he's describing a situation we're not too unfamiliar with. He's pointing out to the Jewish church at the time, the Jewish believers, that the Gentile believers in the early church, they weren't trying to follow rules to get right with God. They just trusted him. They just had faith in him. They just believed in him. See, it's not what we do that puts us in right relationship with God. Just like the Gentiles, it was their faith in Jesus. It's our faith in Jesus that puts us in right relationship with him. See, prior to Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting, we, in the Old Testament we read that the Jews, they followed laws that were given to them by God. But what happened? They didn't take those laws and make good use of them. Most of the time, they actually missed the point. 
And they missed what God was actually trying to communicate to them. And they interpreted them about how they thought they should be in a right relationship with the Lord. See, and God, this is how they interpreted it. They interpreted if we do this, if we follow these rituals, if we follow these rules, then we're going to be made holy. But God is saying, I didn't give you these laws to make you holy. I, was, I gave them to you to communicate and to recognize your shortcomings, your sin, and your need for a Savior. See, and what they ended up doing in their very best efforts, they tried to follow those laws. But they couldn't do it. It was impossible. Okay, if you've read the Old Testament at all, and you've read especially Leviticus, you'll understand what I'm saying. Some of those laws, they're, they're pretty tricky. I couldn't do it. <laughs> See, and what they learned is that they couldn't earn their salvation. What he's saying here, you can't earn your salvation. You can't be made holy by following these laws. In verse 31, it says, we read the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with, get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. In verse 32, again, it says, because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting him. They totally missed it. They weren't trusting him. They kept trying to follow those laws. They misinterpreted it. They added to it. They made it their own. And yet the Gentiles, who weren't worried about doing what's right, what's wrong, they just had faith in Jesus, and they figured it out. So what does this have to do with us? Why would I go on and on and on about these people who lived a long time ago? What does that have to do with us today? See, we do the same thing in our relationship with God we try to do all these good things, maybe even serving meals on a Wednesday. Because sometimes we think that these good things that we do is what God wants us to do. And that if we do them, then we'll have a right relationship with him. And we totally miss the point, And we haven't even put our faith in Jesus. We've totally skipped over Jesus. We were just like, hey, if I just do all these good things, then God will have to accept me, Right? Because I've done it right. I've, I've prayed. I've worshipped. I gave my tithe. But you've totally missed who the point, what the point is. And that it's Jesus. And Jesus calls that being what? Whitewashed tombs. In Matthew 23, 27 through 28, it says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. I would not want to be called a hypocrite by Jesus. I'm just saying. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. So you may think we've put on a good appearance. We may think that we're conveying this message to people around us that we've got it together, that we know God that we're in right relationship with him. We may even think that we're fooling God. But sometimes our motives, they reflect, our inner motives, they reflect something much different like the, like the Pharisees. See, Jesus was pointing out that they had pride in their heart. They were hypocrites. They had hypocrisy, injustice, arrogance, vain, greed, self-indulgence, murder, deception. All of those things are what was really at the root in their heart and what the Pharisees did. They did good for their own selfish ambition. 
It had nothing to do with anyone else. It, had, it actually had very little to do with even God himself. And Jesus points out later in the chapter, he says that they miss the more important aspects of God's law. He's like pointing out this law that you're trying to follow. You miss the most important part of it. You miss the justice. You missed mercy and you missed faith. Instead, you're so focused on doing it right that you've become all these things that I hate. Can you imagine, again, can you imagine being called any of these things? I would want to just run and hide and die right there, okay? Especially if Jesus is saying that. But the thing is, that's who we are. When we try to earn our salvation, when we try to become a good person by doing good things, instead of focusing on the one who created us. See, one of the most common pitfalls of living the Christian life is doing good things, right? I've been a Christian basically since I was born. <laughs> I feel like this has like been something that I, God has challenged me with over and over and over and over. Why are you doing these good things? I'm going to ask you that this morning. What is your motivation for serving the Lord? What is your motivation in doing good deeds, especially things that are done in the name of the Lord? Is it approval from others? Is it pride? Is it arrogance? Are you trying to earn your salvation? Are you trying that if, God, if I just do this one more thing, then maybe you'll accept me? I even think about my friends. You know, I worked at the University of Utah for about 10 years, and I, I've met a lot of really good people who do a lot of really good things but are so far from the Lord, but they do it for their own selfish gain, or they do it to look good to other people. So what is your motivation? And is your life a reflection of the transformation that you say that God has done in your life? So I want to jump back a little bit to Paul. Paul wrote Romans that we're going to read from a little bit later. He was a Pharisee, okay? He was um, a very well-educated Hebrew Jewish man, okay? He knew the law through and through. And we read about his transformation in the New Testament about how God radically changed him, okay? His name went from Saul to Paul. He was blind. <laughs> God blinded him, right, on the Damascus road. He opened up his eyes, and it talks about these scales that fell from his eyes. And God totally transformed him. And what happened in Paul's heart, he, you know, he had so much zeal for following the Old Testament law. He had so much zeal for it that he would even persecute those who didn't follow it, okay? He persecuted Christians. And he, once God got a hold of him and he realized that that law that he was following, what its purpose was, why God really gave it to him and how Jesus fulfilled that law, his life was completely transformed, and he, his life no longer reflected the Jewish culture and the law of, and the culture of that time, but it, his life now mirrored Jesus. And his life was not transformed for his own benefit, but it was transformed for God's purposes, for God's will. In Acts 9, 15 and 20, it says, For Saul, Paul, okay, meaning Paul, is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. See, God didn't save Paul just so Paul could be happy. 
He gave him a mission. He gave him a purpose. And that was to go to the kings, to go to the people of Israel, to go to the Gentiles. That's everybody. And it says, immediately, Paul, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the son of God. See, here Paul went from preaching against Jesus to loudly proclaiming, this is who Jesus is. He is our Messiah. He is our Savior. He is our King. See, his, again, his purpose was to take the message of Jesus to the lost, to the leaders, to all of Israel. And that's exactly what he did. And he went from being a religious man who followed all the laws, who did all the right things in the standard of the culture of that time, to a man who was just crazy about Jesus. To a man who wasn't trying to earn his salvation, but a man who lived it out. Think about this. Because Paul acted on what God had called him to do, still today we benefit from, his take, from him taking that step of faith and saying, I'm, I'm going to be totally different than who I was, and I'm going to preach your word. I'm going to preach the truth. See, Jesus did not die and redeem us so we can live our life for our own purposes. That's, that's, not, what, that's not why he died for us. He didn't die for us so we could just sit back and say, thanks, God, my life's pretty cool now. No. He didn't want us to be self-indulgent, but he called us to live for him. And the, here's the beautiful part. When we live for him, our life will have a purpose because when we live for him, what happens naturally is that our life begins to impact everybody around us. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Too many of us say that we accept Jesus as our Savior. Okay, and I've been guilty of this. Too many of us say that we accept him as our Savior and that we live for him, but then we sit back and we do nothing and nothing in our life changes. We plead and we say, God, make my life different. As if he were like this magic genie as he goes, poof, your life's all good now. No, that's not what he does. That's not what he's about. See, God, he's given us a purpose and He's given us that instruction manual, okay? Like I tried to give that instruction manual to that poor girl who just could not figure out the job. He's given us that instruction manual of how to do this and how we are to live our life with, with his purpose in mind. So let's turn to Romans 12 and 1 through 2, and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and, behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. At the beginning of that verse there, Paul is saying, I plead with you. You guys, this is important. Paul, he's pleading with the believers at that time. He's saying, listen up. This is important. You cannot miss this. He's saying, let God transform you. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to find a way on your own. But let God 
transform you. See, when we, when we do this, this is exactly what faith looks like. Faith is putting complete confidence in Jesus to the point that it impacts everything. He's saying, right, give your bodies. That means everything. God doesn't want just a small part of you. He wants every part of you. See, this is what it means to be made holy in his sight. This is what it means to be made righteous. It's when we say, God, I can't do this. I need you to do this. I need you to change me. He's saying, stop following what the world is telling you to do to be a good person. Stop doing what religion has said that you need to do. Do what God has called you to do, and he's called us. We're going to read in Matthew 22 through 36 through 40. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is what he has called us to do. He said, this is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I know this is like, <laughs> this verse itself right here, okay? This is kind of like my mission in life. It's a very common portion of scripture, but it is so powerful. And just like Paul was saying, I plead with you. I'm pleading with you this morning. Listen to this. Listen to these words. God has called you to love him with everything. But he's also called you to love your neighbor. He's called you to love your friends at work. He's called you to love that really difficult relative we all have them, right? I know I do. <laughs> He's called us to love the people who we don't naturally want to love. That's what he's called us to do. He, Jesus has said nothing about following certain rules. He has said nothing about looking a certain way or saying certain words. He has said, love me and love me with everything and love others too with everything stop holding back see when we have faith and confidence in Jesus we're able to love God and love others because we no longer see the world as we used to Paul didn't see the world as he used to see it before he had an encounter with Christ but when he transforms us into his own image and into his likeness, we see the world, the world the way that he sees it. See, and when we love Jesus first, the result of our lives becomes not just doing good things for the sake of doing them, but we begin to naturally live out God's will for us because it changes our thoughts. It changes our character. It changes who we are. And our actions are no longer just good deeds. Our actions become a reflection of our love for God and love for others. Remember, God transformed us into his likeness with a purpose and with his will. And I'm going to say it again so you don't miss it. That purpose is to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And what's the second? To love others. So how do we live out this purpose? How do we do this? First, 
right? We have faith in Jesus, just like the Gentiles did. They didn't try to follow the laws. They had faith in Jesus. The second thing we do is we let him transform us. Stop trying to do it on your own. I'm talking to myself too, right? Stop trying to do it on your own and let God transform you. And the last thing is let God empower you to love others. Because here's the reality. When we try to do it on our own strength, we're going to fail. Just like the Jews did, they failed every single time. In Romans 12, 9 through 16, here Paul gives us kind of some, a view of what it looks like when we've done this. When we, when we first trust in Jesus, when we let God transform us and we love others, this is what happens in our lives. And I just love this. It says in verse 9, we're going to break it down verse by verse. It says, he says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. You guys, this is an authentic kind of love. We just talked about what our core values was. We talked about intentionally loving others. This is intentional love. Actually love them. Don't just say it. Do it. Really love others. He says to hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. See, when we've been transformed, injustice and evil, it'll begin to bother you. You won't like it and you won't be able to ignore it. But you'll be able to recognize what God's truth is and what his goodness is. And you'll be able to cling on to it. He says to love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. We talked about this, how sometimes we do things with our own selfish gain, right? I want to look good. I want to meet a certain status. But when we let God transform us, we take joy and delight in honoring others and putting other people before ourselves because it's not a competition, folks. It's about lifting each other up. He tells us never be lazy but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I know what it's like to have worked a full-time job and then come and serve others that I'm, when I'm just like, Lord, I'm exhausted. I don't know that I can do this. I did that for 10 years where I would go and I'd work all day and I'd come. And then I'm like, I have to lead worship for these teenagers. I'm so tired. <laughs> I needed an energy drink some weeks. But I did it, and I still do it. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about lifting up Jesus so that others can know him too. And then that is what gives me the energy, not the energy drink or coffee. I don't drink energy drinks. I love coffee. But that's what gives me the joy and the motivation to keep working. Because it's what God can do, not what I can do. He says to rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. So many of us, right, we face difficult circumstances in life. And it can leave you feeling so hopeless, like, God, what is going on? My life's over. It's ruined. But he's saying, have hope because it's not. You guys, we can look forward to that promise of when Jesus is going to return, right? And he's going to take us with him, and he's going to make us new, that's the hope that I look forward to is just living with Jesus for all eternity. I can't think of anything better 
This life here is so temporary. He says, keep on going, keep praying, keep trusting me. And then he also says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Are you ready? Are you ready to welcome people into your home when you don't want to? Even during COVID. Maybe on Zoom, okay? Are you ready to serve? Are you ready to help the person on the corner who has their sign and has been there for weeks saying, I need food? Are you ready to help that difficult relative? He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. And pray that God will bless them. Again, this is about others. I know that people wrong us, right? I've been wronged by people, and it hurts so bad. It hurts deeply. But God is calling us not to persecute them. He's saying, don't seek revenge. Seek me. Seek my justice. And seek the transformation that God can have in their life. He says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. This is empathy, folks. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. That stinks. No, it's really having empathy and being with people and walking with them through it. He says, live in harmony with each other. So when we do this, we'll actually seek out having healthy relationships with each other. And lastly, he says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all, because you don't. I know I don't. When I was 15 years old, I had my transformation moment with Jesus. I'd grown up in the church. I knew who he was. But I didn't, I didn't really know him. Right? I, had, I was wrestling these expectations that I had for myself. I, you know, I really, if you know me at all, I, I like to, I'm a perfectionist, okay? I'm just going to say it. I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> I like things done right. I want to do well. I want to look good. And I wanted to live up to a certain standard. And I was really wrestling with, with that in my own life of God. Why am I doing these good things? Because doing just those good things were actually making me miserable inside. And I went to youth camp. Um, and that first night at the service, I was really fighting it still. And I was like, God, I don't know. And I knew that God had called me into ministry, but I was still really fighting it. I was really kind of afraid. And I finally let down my guard. I looked up into the stars. If you've ever been out in the middle of the wilderness, you know what I'm talking about when you can just see, right, the galaxy, and it's so beautiful. And it's like God spoke so gently into my life in that moment of saying, if I can create the impossible, what makes you think I can't do the impossible in your life? Why do you think that he can't do the impossible in your life this morning? Because he wants to. See, after that moment, I, you guys, if you know me at all, I hate bugs, okay? I really hate them. But I was so, I let God just grab a hold of my heart. And in that moment, I just, I fell down to the ground and I'm laying on the, in the dirt. And I know there are spiders crawling on me. 
This had to have been a real transformation, okay, guys? Because I really hate spiders. But I'm laying in the ground, on the ground in the dirt for at least an hour, just pouring my heart out before the Lord and begging God, transform me, make me like you, because I know that I'm not enough. And this morning, that's what he wants to do for you. He wants to transform you, not for your own good, but for his purposes. And I promise you, I promise you, your life will never be the same. Doesn't mean it will be easy, but you can walk and live knowing that you've got a hope and a savior and a redeemer and one who's always there for you in every need and in every circumstance. And can you just stand with me this morning? Lord, we thank you that your word brings hope. Your word, Lord God, rings true in a time, Lord, of where all we are is just fed different messages, Lord. But we thank you, God, that we can look to your word and we can look to your truth, Lord, knowing that we can find hope and, Lord, that we can have confidence in you this morning. And Lord, I pray, God, as we, before we even leave this place, Lord, that our hearts would be turned towards you. God, that our hearts wouldn't be turned towards our own selfish motives, our own selfish ambition, but Lord, that our hearts and our purposes would mirror you. If you're here this morning and you're like, you know, Natasha, that sounds great, but I don't really know Jesus, but I want to. I want to experience this transformation. I want to know a hope. I want to have a greater purpose in my life. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand? And I'm going to ask you to do something even braver than that. Like we just talked about, right? Paul took action on the transformation that Jesus did in his life. If you want to experience his true transformation this morning, I'm going to ask you, he can do it in your seat, sure. But I want you to come forward. I want you to take that step of faith. And we want to pray with you, believing that God is starting a new transformation, a new work in your life. So if that was you this morning and you want to see a transformation in your life, maybe you have been a part of this church for many years. That's okay. God's still working on me. He's still transforming me. He's still changing me. So if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come forward. And we want to just, we want to rejoice with you. We want to pray with you this morning. And we want to believe that God is calling you to a higher purpose. It's not your own purpose, but it's his. Thank you, Lord. Let's just rejoice with them this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are a God who has given us a purpose. You have given us your will and your desire this morning. And I pray, Lord, for every life here, God, I ask that you would just forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to do this on our own, for trying to find our own way to be made right with you. And Lord, we just trust you, God, that you're transforming us. You're transforming every part of us. You're transforming our hearts. You're transforming our minds. You're transforming our families, God. And we give it over to you, God, in full faith, knowing, God, that you are at work, God, and that you're going to take our lives, not just for our own selfish gain, but God, you're going 
going to take our lives and you're going to transform our families. You're going to transform our communities. You're going to transform our church, Lord. God, to be more like you, to look like you, Jesus. And we thank you, God, and we just praise you. Can you just give him a shout of praise this morning in this place? If this was your first time accepting Jesus, congratulations. We want to connect with you. And before you leave, we want you to fill out one of these cards, okay? And you can come, you can turn them into the information desk, you can bring them to me, you can bring them to Pastor Rich. We wanna talk with you, we wanna pray with you. But if you also feel like God is calling you into something deeper, right? Fill out one of these cards. We wanna pray with you, we wanna dream with you. We want to see what God can do to use you to transform not only your life, but others' lives as well. I love you guys. Be blessed, and we will see you on Wednesday for the worship service. <laughs>